The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. If you've been around here for the last few weeks, you know we've been in a series called The Things We Love, and uh, we have defined this series like this. This is sort of the DTR talk for us. If you could just open up our heart, and our heart could speak and tell you who we are, what we're about, what's most important to us, this is what this series is. So if you've been around here for just a little while, and you're like, I'm trying to figure out, is this the place that I want to connect to? Is this the community and the body, the fellowship, the people that I want to be around? Then this series has been for you. And if you miss any of it, you can go back and listen to it on our our podcast. But today, we want to finish out the series, and the theme that we have today is is worship. What do we love? One of those things is we love worship. Um, I just need to confess to you, the course of this series has been difficult to plan and to preach to you and to teach to you because we take these big ideas like God and church and worship and the gospel, and, and, and so like we ask ourselves, we've got 30 minutes, and you're like, yeah, right, you've never preached 30 minutes. You've got 30 minutes to, to take this big theme and, and teach on it, and worship falls into that category too. It falls into that idea, and so there's a lot of ways we can go with this idea of worship, but I want, I want to talk specifically today about worship in the gathering. I want to talk about what happens in this moment because I believe the church globally, big C, I believe we need to recover something that's happening here. It's happening in this moment on Sundays generally as we worship as a, as a church globally around the world. And so I want to do that. Let me, let me just, try to, just try to put some boundaries around this conversation with you this morning and sort of define what we mean when we say worship. And, um, and, and the idea of worship to us is, is really that Worship is our response to what we value most. If, if you got something to write with, by the way, I, this would be a good sign to begin journaling or writing or taking notes. I think it will help you, and I think it could go along with part of the application this morning. But worship is sort of our response to what we value most. And you understand this. Um, we have hearts that are bent towards this. Uh, we are created with this unbelievable capacity to worship something, and we can put um, um, categories around that. We can talk about worship in our relationships, worship in our work, worship in our sex life, worship in our uh, work life. Um, we can talk about worship in a lot of different ways, but the reality is all of us are created with this massive capacity to worship something. We, we just have hearts that are bent towards that. And when we begin this conversation on, on, on this idea, we, we begin to unroll this, this thought that, that all of us have something in our lives that we're ultimately putting the most value on, right? And I don't want to simplify it by saying, you know, you worship college football, which I love Saturdays. If you call me on Saturdays, I'm probably watching the national champion Clemson Tigers, all right? Uh, or you say, I don't want to simplify this, like, like, like you worship your job. Or, but, but ultimately, really what it comes down to is there are ultimately two categories. Every, every, every idea that we want to put our words around and say, this is what I value most, ultimately it comes back to either me or it comes back to God. And the implication of what we worship is this. The implication is that ultimately we become like the thing we worship. And so a good question when we're dialoguing on this idea this morning is we begin to open up our hearts and and ask ourselves some questions. Um, The the question really, the most appropriate question is not really, um, do I resemble the thing that I worship? Because that's obvious. All of us worship something, and all of us resemble the thing we worship. The better question, I think, for all of us in here, because it helps um, unfold where our hearts really are this morning, is what have I become? 
because we all worship something. There's something of most value and most importance in all of our lives. And so the better question is, what have I become as a result of what I'm worshiping? And so the question postured before us this morning is this, is is there genuine transformation happening in your life? Is there a Godward transformation? Is there a transformation when you look in the eyes of Jesus, you see the reflection of him in the mirror? Is that happening? Because the, the alternate reality there, if that's not happening, is, a, is what Psalm 115, 1 through 8 says to us. And the psalmist there is beginning to talk about um, the nations and the idols that nations have made. And this is what the psalmist says. I'm going to read just a few verses. This is not the text this morning, but I hope it sets up where I want to go. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. And this is what the psalmist says. Why should the nation say, where now is their God? The psalmist answers that. But our God is in the heavens But he does whatever he pleases, but their gods, their idols are silver and gold. Their idols are the work of their hands. Verse 5, they have mouths, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they can't feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. And this is where I just really want to drive down to and sort of try to expose our hearts this morning to receive what I believe God wants to say to us. The psalmist says in verse 8, Those who make them will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. The question is, what what am I becoming this morning? It's really a revelation of of the idol, the worship of my heart. What do I love most? But a heart that uh, is pure, a heart that's that's, uh, that's happy, that's generous, that's good, that's true, that's pure, that's holy, that's healed that's laughing, that's awake. That's the you, if I had to suspect. That's the you that you desire to come. And the only way we arrive at that place is making Jesus the end of our day, the end of our week, the end of our hour, is looking into his face daily, his beauty, his competence, his wholeness, his faith, his worth, his love. And what happens when we do so is that he shapes us into his image. But if we're not becoming that, if transformation is not happening in our lives, then our hearts are being shaped by something different. Now listen to me. To get back to that place, the heart that's, that's beautiful and good and generous and happy and whole and laughing and awake, to get back to that place, listen to me, is to recover the beauty of God. And what I want to do this morning is I want to help us try to recover the beauty of God in this moment specifically. It has applications beyond this moment for your job, for your money, for your um, goals and dreams, but I want to try to recover the beauty of God in this gathering this morning. So we can talk about worship in a lot of different ways, but we want to talk about gathering in the moment. Let, let me just posture this before I get to the text. This is a long opening, and uh, I don't typically like to do opening illustrations this long, but it's necessary this morning. Consumerism is the thief of this moment we sit in today. This is Sunday. This is church day. Um, I know we're a post-secular, post-Christian city, but, but this is Sunday. This is church day typically, and we have all of our, we have a frame of viewing what today is, but consumerism has stolen something from us in this day. 
It's taken something from us in how we view what's happening here. This is how we typically view today and what we came to. We typically use a couple words when we describe what's happening today. You give something and you receive something. Like I'm giving something to God in the worship environment. I'm receiving something from God in the Sunday church service. Um, Those two words have this idea of a transaction. They're transactional verbs, if you understand that. Like, like, Like I gave something to God, so he owes something back to me in return. And while um, those may help us understand a few things in life, it does not help us understand what's happening in this moment. I think there's a better verb to describe what's happening on Sunday morning in this gathering, in this corporate worship environment. It's not a transactional verb. It's not giving and it's not receiving. The word that I would rather use in this moment is the word, the verb, becoming. What am I becoming in this service? Here's why. Here's why why that question is so important. What are we becoming in this gathering? When we begin to ask questions like that, then the focus is not transactional. Like, what have I brought to Jesus today that he now owes me something in return because I gave to him, right? Like, if you grew up in any environment where Sunday was the day where you brought your A game, right? You bring your A game. You bring your best dress. You bring your best um, groomed self. You bring your best moral self to church on Sunday mornings. That environment leaves no room, listen to me, for the brokenhearted in this gathering. The psalmist David said in Psalm chapter 51, "My, my sacrifice to you, God, is a broken heart, a broken and contrite spirit. If the idea of this gathering is that I bring my A game to God in order to receive something back from him, then number one, it tells us something altogether different about the gospel because you brought nothing to the cross. He brought everything and he gave you everything in response. And so the idea in this gathering is not necessarily something that's transactional. I give you something, God, you give me something back. The idea is that we are becoming something, right? Like, really, what are we giving God anyway? Like, like our voices, what are we, what are we giving God? Like, like, Tyler was just on a writing retreat this week, and we love worship here. We love, when I say worship, I mean music. Um, we're going to have a worship night this Saturday night. This is not demeaning of the worship environment or the, or the modern worship um, movement bill, who I'm going to introduce you at the end. His son is the lead singer of Audio Adrenaline. He's worshiped with us before. Like, this is not demeaning the worship environment that we currently live in. But what am I really bringing? Is it just a new song, like God's sitting up in heaven? He's like, oh my gosh, that song that Tyler just wrote, you got to send it on up. We've been sending this hymn like 700 years. We need something fresh. Just send it up, right? Like, like what are, exactly are we bringing to God? Maybe it's I'm bringing this idea that I'm not who I want to be, And I'm celebrating this thought that God is in the process of making me into that person. I want you to write this down if you have something to write with this morning, because I think it will help set some, some things in motion for your heart. What we celebrate in worship is that God is working on us, not that we have something to bring to him. I don't have anything to give God that, that, I'm, that I'm not yet what I want to be, simultaneously celebrating by faith that he sees me different than I see me. The anticipation when we come to this moment is that the God of glory is working on you. He's working on me. He's, he's in process and we are under 
construction, that I'm believing that God will begin a good work in me. He who began a good work will bring it to completion. We've often said it's okay to not be okay. You come as you are, but that's the incomplete idea of what's happening in this moment. It's okay to not be okay. In fact, I believe it's probably more appropriate for some of us who got up this morning and everything was good until we got in the van and hell broke loose. And like you're you're saying words like it's not appropriate from the stage on Sunday morning. And like everything goes haywire. It's more appropriate, I believe, sometimes when we walk into this environment and we actually say who we are. It's been hell this morning. It really has been. It's not all peaches and cream. It's not all roses in my life. This week has been an absolute disaster, and I need Jesus to do some work today. Um, I've been to a lot of third world countries, like probably a lot of you guys have been, and oftentimes what you see in a third world country is you see these one-level houses you see, you know what I'm talking about? You see these one-level houses, and what's sticking out the top of the one-level houses? Rebar and concrete that's half-built and half-put together, and you'll go back the next year, and you'll ride by the same house, like, oh my gosh, they've done nothing. Like, you go back the second year, oh my gosh, they've done nothing. The third year, oh my gosh, they've done nothing. And that's, in essence, what's happening in this moment. Like, if we come into this moment, and we have nothing for God to build on, then, in essence, really what we're like is like a contractor who buys materials, but he never intends to use them. This is the moment in worship for us to become what Jesus intends for us to be, and we are all under construction. So let me, let me do this. How do we recover the beauty of God through this moment? Hebrews chapter 13 is my text. That was the intro. I promise I'm not going to preach until lunch, all right? Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 15. How do we recover the beauty of God through worship? Read with me. The writer says, through Jesus. Now, let me pause there, Okay. <clears throat> The writer says, through Jesus, there's, there's like a boatload of, of material and information that's loaded in this one phrase, because now we're at the end of Hebrews, and he's uh, made an argument all the way through uh, 13 chapters. He's talked about Jesus being the high priest. I mean, he, he has made this argument that Jesus intercedes. There's so much that's loaded in this one statement, through Jesus, and we can't unpack it all this morning, but here's the idea. The writer is going to say, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. I think this is an incredible passage on worship. Through Jesus, let us therefore continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. An opening phrase. It's a barge full of information, but, but here's the main idea. J Jesus is the main thing. The door of Jesus is the main thing. I, I love how one guy said it, who I think is honestly the, the father of modern worship music. He said, you must come through the door before you come through the door. Through Jesus, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. When you come through the door, which is how Jesus described himself, when you understand that Jesus went to the cross, sinless, perfect, on behalf of humanity. He was the spotless lamb of God. He was crucified and bled for your sins so that you might have access to God. Hebrews is loaded here. We can't unpack it in this one phrase in all of what the writer wants to say. But through Jesus, when we come through the door, not just the door, you don't need to walk into a worship environment and your friend says, hey, the music is starting. No, 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 it's already started. It's already begun in my heart. I've walked through through the door. Jesus is the door, and that's so important for us this morning. Why? 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 Worship begins and ends with God. 
Worship begins and ends with, I, I love this, Louis Giglio, um, uh, let me get there in just a second. Um, every glimpse into the presence of God um, in, in scripture gives us this idea that, that God dwells in endless play, praise. Like, like that's what's always going on in heaven at this very moment. The host of, of angels in Revelation say in Revelation 4.8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and is to come and who is to come. Never do they stop. Night and day they sing. Revelation, I'm Psalm 19, chapter 1. Day and night the heavens proclaim. The heavens are telling the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. God dwells in endless, like the scripture says, God is seated in heaven and all around him he's receiving praise. That's incredible to me this morning. Why? Because our God who is so massive, the God, our God who is all-powerful, our God who is huge, he's glorious, he's limitless, beyond our wildest imagination this morning, that same God looks down into your seat this morning, and he says, I don't need it, I'm not altogether more worthy because of it, even though the heavens are declaring the glory of God, the host of angels never stop praising me. He looks down into your seat. I don't know if your seat has a number this morning, but he says, seat 208, I want your praise. The God of heaven, the God who is majestic and mighty, limitless, all-powerful, he looks down into your seat and he says, I want to be worshiped by you right now. There's a whole sermon it's around this idea, like, like, does God need my worship? I mean, like, like, like doesn't that make God the most egotistical uh, being on in the universe? Like, well, like, why does God, he doesn't need our worship. He's no more worthy because of your worship. He has been worthy. He is worthy. He will always be worthy, but he commands our worship. Listen to me, because it's the most loving thing he can possibly do to you. What's my idol? What, what, the, what is the thing that I value the most in my life? I, I don't know. Ultimately, it drills down into one of two categories. It either ultimately comes back to me or it points towards God. And the most loving thing God can look you in the eyes this morning and say to you is to get your eyes off of you and point your eyes to me. And that's one of the reasons why we come into this moment, and one of the things we need to recover in these gatherings each and every week. Louis Giglio says, if we keep saying it's all about God, then every now and then a song will come along that doesn't have anything about us in it. <laughs> it I, 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 trust me, I realize I'm in the city of angels, and I'm looking at people, and I'm looking at a city that does not want to be told it's not about you. I get it. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm meeting you head on in this moment, but just bear with me for a moment. Every now and then, we sing songs that have nothing to do with us. We sing one this morning. It's nothing. I love Tyler's heart in worship. He understands this moment, not just from a corporate gathering perspective. He understands it from a theological perspective when sometimes we just don't need to hear anything about us. We need our eyes drawn to Jesus. Louis said one time, Tyler, that when Chris Tomlin was writing the song, um, How Great Is Our God, he said, please do me a favor. Mention nothing about our relationship with God in this song. Why? Because I want you to fix your eyes on God. Another writer, pastor, author said, you're going to lean away from singing about church. You're going to sing about God. You'll look for stuff about God that awakens emotions and affections. 
You can go the intimacy route, which sounds like love songs. By the way, we do go the intimacy route often. That's part of this environment. But in recovering the beauty of God, sometimes in this moment, we need to take our eyes off of us and put them on God. This is what the author says. Or you can go the magnificence route for transcendence. Our environment, our gathering on these mornings can't simply be about, listen to me, I realize this is a train wreck, looking you in the eyes and saying, it can't simply be about you. Our worship is first and foremost about God. Now write this down. In the gathering, our affections are being recalibrated to resonate with God's heart outside the gathering. I want to get to the outside the gathering in just a moment. But I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to understand what's happening in this moment. In this gathering, our affections. What do you mean by our affections? Our mind, our emotions, our will. Our affections are being recalibrated to resonate with the heart of God outside the gathering. Now, I'm going to get to that in just a moment. How do we do that, Pastor Matt? Well, we sing about God. <laughs> we, we teach about God. We turn our heart, our ears, our eyes, our affections on the great and matchless love of God that we serve. And that's the job of our worship leaders here, me being included. That's the job of the people on this stage. It's the job of the people who teach you the scriptures. We turn our eyes Godward. What's, what's, what's your response in this situation? When we turn our eyes Godward, your response is to allow your affections to settle on the heart of God and what he is making you to be. It's so vital that we recover this idea in this gathering this morning. So the song, I mean, uh, uh, the writer in Hebrews um, says that we, through Jesus, therefore, we continually offer to God, listen to what he says, a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of praise through lips, the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. Matthew chapter six gives us this idea that from the heart, everything resonates. We talked about it in our community group this week. From the heart, everything resonates. And what the, the writer here in Hebrews is saying is that from deep down in the recesses of your heart and who you are, what will come out, the fruit of what's down in your heart will be the lips that will be a sacrifice of praise. And that goes way beyond just singing a worship song this morning. I, I love when you sing, Katie. I love when you sing Ever Be, by the way. I just love it. it. It resonates with my heart. But God's just not simply looking this morning. I want you to understand this. God's just not simply looking for another song from us. He's not just looking for like, like what made the top 40 this week in worship. He's not looking for just simply the words that come off of our lips. Jesus is looking much deeper. He's searching down into the heart. And what he's saying is, I, I don't want you to just have words that you're mouthing in an environment and walk away by lunchtime at Chipotle, completely unscathed by the process because it was never a song that I wanted. What I wanted was you. It's you that I want. It's you, it's more of you. It's less of you like thinking of yourself and more of you becoming who I intend you to be. In the gathering, what we're doing is recalibrating our heart so that it resonates with the heart of God I think one of the greatest pictures of a heart that really understood this idea of worship was Paul. I've finished the course, I've completed the race, and then he makes this beautiful statement, I'm now being poured out like a drink offering. 
There's nothing left of Paul. What a beautiful picture. Nothing left of Paul. By the way, including his head. That's being consumed in the process, not just being a consumer in this moment. Because it's so easy to walk in here and think that, that I'm just a consumer of this. Like, like Tyler wrote a great song. We're going to produce a worship album. You're going to buy that worship album. You're going to jog to it. You're going to run to it. You're going to listen to it in the car. You're going to listen to it on the train. And then when you're done and it's old, you're going to buy the next one, right? Like it's not just that. Which, by the way, buy the album when we produce it, okay? But listen, it's not just that because that has the, the, the idea, the perspective that I come in here and I'm a consumer. And God says, I don't want you to be a consumer. I want you to be consumed by me. You're a consumee, not a consumer. Then what happens? Genuine worship in this moment leads us beyond this moment into the next moment. What do you mean by that? Well, the writer says in Hebrews chapter 13 at the end of verse 15, and then he goes into 16, he makes a statement. Our worship, by the way, is only halved when we express it in song and hear with our ears. It's only halved is what the writer here is saying. Why is it only halved? Because there's an and. There's a conjunction in this passage. It's a sacrifice of praise, and then he goes on to make a statement. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. What do you mean? How do you know what you worship this morning? Like, how do you know what you have placed the most value in your life on? Well, I, I think it's, it's fairly simple, honestly. You, you just follow the trail, right? Follow the trail of my time. Follow the trail of my energy, my affections, my emotion my bank account, like you just follow the trail. And whatever's at the end of the trail is the throne. And whatever's on that throne is where your heart is most settled. And so the idea that the writer here in Hebrews is pushing us towards is that in the end, worship is more about what we do than just what we say. It's more about what we do than what we say because it's easy to say how great is our God. Ever be, you, you will always be on my lips, but then walk out in Chipotle and, and sniff the server and, 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 you know, do what you do on the five that I sometimes do. You know, it's, it's easy to walk out of this moment. Just, 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 just a song. It's more about what you do than what you say because this moment should lead you into the next moment. And so the question that we should pose before ourselves when we walk into this gathering every single week, look at me real quick, I'm almost done. The question you should ask yourselves every single week when you walk in here, God, what do you want? What do you want from me, God? because I'm going to bring you whatever pleases you. You know, the answer to that is not very hard, by the way. The answer to that question is not very hard. I, I want the least of these, the last of these to know me. I think the greatest expression of a heart that's not settled on me is a heart that ultimately has my eyes on God but looks horizontally to other people. The writer says, and... Do not forget to do good. Do not forget to do good. 
and share with others for such sacrifices, God is pleased. How does that happen? How does that happen where my heart is settled in the Lord and, and I move into this place where I can honestly say before the Lord, Lord, what do you want from me? I'm gonna bring you whatever that, that is. Being consumed in this process on a Sunday morning and then moving out of the places of comfort in your life. Out of the places of consumerism in this church, out of the church building, move into the places where we live, breathe, work, exist, and play, and tell them, God is great. And he wants you to see, and he wants you to sing. I believe there's a barometer for where your heart is this morning. The barometer that you can honestly, genuinely ask yourself today. Has worship taken full effect in my heart? It has not taken full effect in my heart if I'm simply a consumer of some songs and a lecture every single week. That's not what this gathering is intended to be. By the way, I realize that we all come in different places. We all have a different journey. We all have different starting points. And I realize that some of us are coming in here. We're just trying to figure it out and, and learn the story and, and, and try to understand if, 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 where my place is. And I realize that. And there's room for your story in this process, in this church, in this fellowship, and in this community. But the end of the story is not just come as you are. It's come as you are because God is making you into something he wants you to be. I have a lot of friends that will say, man, I'm just called to preach. <laughs> it's what I do. It's what I was born for, right? And, and I love that because all of us have a calling, whether it's preaching or ministry or accounting or acting. All of us have a calling vocationally, and I love that. But it's not like we're ever going to get to heaven and the loudspeaker is going to say, and now the Son of God has entered the room, right? And this afternoon, Pastor Matt's going to lead a session on financial stability in Hall C. Like, that's not going to happen, right? Like, like, what really is happening is that, yes, I am a communicator. I am a teacher. I'm a short-term communicator. But once I arrive in heaven, I'm a long-term worshiper. And the scripture says, all the nations in Psalm chapter 86, you have made God, will come and worship before you. They will bring glory to your name for you are great and you do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. I'm out of a job when I get to heaven. <laughs> like, I don't think Jesus is gonna look at me and like, hey, you wanna take a turn here? Like, like, I don't think he's gonna ask me to do that. I don't think he's gonna ask Tyler to write any more songs, play any more songs. By the way, the implication is that you're also out of a job. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe God will orchestrate like a three-act play and invite you into it. I don't know, I doubt it. That's not demeaning to your calling, your gift, your talent, your ability. It just amplifies it. It just gives purpose to it, right? It's all done. I'm, I'm sitting in heaven. I'm around the throne. I join the angels who have given Jesus everlasting praise. Zion is built. The church has been rolled up. We've been created in an instant to be in the likeness of God. In that moment, it's no more Pastor Matt, Preacher Matt. It's no more communicator. It's no more worship leader. It's no more actor. It's no more accountant. It's no more a mailman. It's worshiper of God. Where are your eyes this morning? I pray that we'll recover the beauty of God in this moment and understand what we come and do every 
single week, where we're pointing towards in this environment. This is one of the things we love. This is one of the things we love. We put great attention and detail into this moment to say, we want to point your eyes to Jesus every single week. You bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to sing a few songs. We're going to go into communion here. We'll be done today. I'm not unaware that some of you walk into this room and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I believe that there are many who walk into this auditorium every week and you're investigating. I just want to say the God of heaven desires an intimate love relationship with you. How does that happen? I recognize that God created me, Genesis 1-1. I recognize that he loves me, John 3-16. I recognize that I'm sinful, Romans 3 I recognize the result of that sin if nothing has ever dealt with it and there's never a solution to it. The result is death, both in this life and the next. But I also realized this morning that the great, awesome, wonderful, glorious news of God is that he died for you on the cross, creating a solution for your sin. That if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he would transform your life in this moment, in an instant. To become a child of God, the scripture says, the worshiper of God. That's your desire. Would you do me a favor this morning? I don't want to embarrass you, make you stand on stage, make you say anything you don't want to say. I just want to lead you to that moment. That's your desire to know Jesus intimately, to be saved, the scripture says, to turn from your sin and to walk with Jesus. Would you do me a favor? Just nobody looking around. Doesn't matter if you're right, left, front, back. Would you just raise your hand right now? Anybody in this auditorium? Anybody? Praise God. Anybody else? Praise God. That's you this morning after the service at the connect table, go grab a card. On the bottom of that card it says, I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. Why? 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 Because this is the journey. This is the beginning point. It's not a, the, the believing life is not a solo flight. It's a community journey. We want to step in and help you walk with God. For the rest of us in this room, I, I hope that we will begin to recalibrate our affections towards God in this moment. It's not just a religious experience. It's not just a checklist. It's not just a thing I do for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. This is a moment to meet with God because you are becoming what he wants you to be. Jesus, thank you. God, that you, you just don't look down and give up because of who I am today. God, you've already seen what I'm becoming and what you are making me to be. And God, I thank you that this is part of that process. Thank you that you've given me breath in my lungs today, which means that yesterday was not final. Today is another chance to experience your glory and your grace and your mercy. So thank you, Jesus, in this moment as we receive our communion. God, may our affections be turned towards you, the God of glory, the God of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.